You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello, welcome to the Talking City podcast for the Manchester Evening News. An end of season special today. I'm joined by Ian Cheeseman, to reflect on City's record-breaking title win. And Ian, it was a fantastic last couple of days. We had the last day of the season, that dramatic Gabriel Jesus winner down on the south coast, and then a fantastic title parade. Have you not got a headache this morning from that? No, no. Um, uh, surprisingly to a lot of uh, City fans, perhaps I don't drink, so, uh, so I celebrate in other ways. But nevertheless, I was in seventh heaven. I mean, I had a Personally, I had a weekend that I really enjoyed because I went down to London on Saturday and saw a couple of shows. But the game on Sunday uh, wasn't quite the same level that we've seen from from matches in the past, but it had a fantastic ending. It had the perfect ending. Uh, At that point, uh, as you know, I do a vlog and I've been sat up in a vantage point in a good position in the press box. I thought, right, I'll I'll manoeuvre myself down to where the fans are I'll get as close as possible so I can get their songs and reaction at the final whistle. So I went down, I was walking along the touchline and I was approaching the corner flag when that great ball was played by Kevin De Bruyne. One of the best of the season, wasn't it? Unbelievable assist. Uh, I know Stuart Brennan, our colleague, interviewed uh, Leroy Sane who claimed he'd (laughs) shouted offside because he wanted the assist record. Probably tongue-in-cheek. But a great ball... Jesus, great first touch, great finish, and it just felt like the perfect way to end it all. And, and nobody's actually told me the definitive time. I've heard different people say yeah. it was 93 minutes and so many seconds or 40 seconds. But certainly within the same ballpark as Aguero's goal. Six years to a day as well, wasn't it? Six, six years, the same date Aguero's last. It wasn't quite the same title winning moment, was it? But it was fantastic. And I think on your vlog as well, they were City fans saying we won the. Set the record in Fergie time, was it 100 yeah, points? Yeah, 100, 100 points in Fergie time, which... Um, <laughs> Makes it a bit more sweet, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, that was just people getting carried yeah. away on the final whistle and, um, uh, you, you know, I, I, I don't think that was meant as any disrespect, it's just a bit of fun, but but I love that, yeah. I love that fun. Um, and it was a, another lovely sunny day, just as the parade day was a lovely sunny day. I, I don't think you can take a lot from the last four or five games of the season. No. I mean, I know you're a... You know, you're not as, as close to it as I am. You're not going to all the games, but you must uh, acknowledge that once you've, you've won the league, even though all these things are to fight for and to play for, and, and, and I know that a lot of fans were very adamant that they wanted to get to 100 points. They wanted to break mm. this record. They wanted to break that record. But, and even though the players and the manager say that that matters to them, it cannot be the same no, motivator. However, when that ball hit the back of the net from Gabriel Jesus, the way they reacted yeah. suggested it did matter to them. Um, so it was great to see and, uh, as I say, a perfect way for the season to end. Yeah, it was almost like the, the perfect bonus at the top of it. Like you said, they've already done the real hard work and anything else is an extra. And yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Those last couple of games, obviously, it's impossible to play that higher level every week and for it to be that good. I mean, whether you like it or not, I know... You get these pundits on every single 
program. I know Pep's doing his Monday Night Football show tonight, but and he will be asked, is this the greatest sign in Premier League history? And whether they like it or not, statistically, the City side are the greatest side in Premier League history. You can't argue yeah, that. No yeah, team's had the best. And I feel, I personally feel, that this side's being done a disservice this season because when United won the treble, when Arsenal went the season invincible, they were considered great sides right there, right then, for what they'd achieved. And it's almost a bit of a hypocrisy this season. City have done something that no side's ever done. When there's more Premier League money, the, the, when all the promoted teams have stayed up, when the competition's even higher, you've got all these tactical managers in the league, you've got Mourinho, you've got Klopp, you've got Pochettino, you've got Conte, you've got Wenger, all staring up at Guardiola, and they can't get anywhere close to him. And I feel, I want to know, do you agree with that? Do you think City aren't being done this well, certainly so the City fans appreciate it, and, and I'd say local journalists like the Manchester Union News appreciate it, but whether or not it's appreciated yeah. in the wider uh, sphere, I don't know. Um, you know, it's, it's just, it's not so much that all those records, as impressive as those records are, it's the yeah. manner in which they've done mm-hmm. it and the style of football they've played, which has been consistent all the way through the season. I mean, they only lost two games. The Liverpool game at Anfield, we're only talking league games here, the Liverpool game at Anfield, um, in this, if I'm being really honest, 4-3, probably slightly flattered City yeah. that day. Um, so they were beaten that day. Uh, the United game was an odd one because they were 2-0 up and absolutely bossing them in the home game. And then it's as if they took their eye off yeah. it completely. Um, and United obviously came out fired up because Mourinho had said in the dressing room, you know, come on, do you really want to watch yeah. them lift a the title today? Yeah, he says, do you want to be like clowns? Do you want to get sort of yeah. gifted to your fierce rivals? And so, so those were the two lower spots in the league. I mean, I remember walking away from Burnley um, and 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 again talking to fans. And I, but myself, I felt felt quite deflated, and the fans very much were deflated. Mm. Now, normally. I have no problem with fans coming and talking to me when I'm, I'm, I'm filming. But that was the one day where everybody went, nah, I don't want to talk, I don't want to talk. And yeah. I thought, wow, all they've done is draw at Burnley. Yeah. Danilo scored that great goal. Uh, you know, you've got a point out of it. Uh, it's not it, the end of the yeah, world. It's only because of that one miss by Stern, which is an unfortunate moment where he had too much time. And yeah, yeah. One of his quirks. But yeah, it's it's not a bad season when drawing with Burnley's the, the lowest point of the season. And you, and you go on to break all these records, isn't it? But also, it's one of those you're thinking, you know what? They could have probably got a couple more points, couldn't they? Which is so frustrating in a way because we're never really going to see a side this good again. Um, that final day of season, Southampton, like we said, it was... Lacklustre compared to what we've seen already this season. A couple of changes as well, but fantastic to see Foden and Diaz make their appearances, get those five uh, appearances required for the medal. And Phil Foden, youngest ever Premier League winner. Yeah, and and very proud of that because uh, he's he's a local lad. His family are City fans. He's a City fan. And that's what we are. When I was his age, that would have been my dream too, to pull on the sky blue shirt You've and play for City. You've not given up that dream yet, have you? No, well, yeah, probably reluctantly just about after I admit that dream's gone now. But for him to live the dream, I mean, I'm lucky enough to, to, to know and, and be friends these days with people like David White and Paul Lake, who did exactly what, well, Phil Foden's not quite achieved it yet, you know, no. but, but pulled on that City shirt as City fans who'd been brought up. And that cannot be anything better than that, surely. Um, Foden's got a big thing to, to achieve now because he's already got a Premier League medal, winner, winner's medal. I think, to be fair, even if he hadn't come on at Southampton, they'd have given him that yeah. medal anyway. So I don't think that was an issue because they've got this discretionary thing. Uh, but he's now got those five and Pep made a big deal of saying, listen, the, these lads who are on the periphery, they're just as much a part mm. of it and they deserve it. 
Um, and I, I presume that's why he played Bravo in the last couple of games as well, to, to make him feel part of it, because he'd obviously played his part as a substitute yeah. goalkeeper. And I know there are loads of City fans in there who have a negative view of Bravo, but what he has been is he's, he's been a backup, and he's been, and, I, and from what I hear, he's a great character in the dressing room. Um, you know, he, he could have really thrown his toys out the pram having come yeah. for one season and then immediately been upset by Edison, who's now got this seven-year contract. So he could have really thrown his toys out the pram, but he doesn't feel as if he's that type of a person. No. And other cynics will say, yeah, he's getting paid a lot of money, but there is still human nature, yeah. and we've seen it elsewhere. You know. And when he's won everything, he's won everything, he can win at club football. It's not as if he just wants to sit on the bench. There's, sometimes you get a sense from outside, like I said, not City fans necessarily, who have that cynical look and think, He's just happy picking the wage. But when you've been a top athlete at the top level in Barcelona, winning the Champions League, you don't want to just go sit on the bench. You want to fight for your position. And like you said, it's only because of that Superman and goal, Edison, that he's really been dislodged this season. Yeah, I mean, let's be really honest about this. Um, Bravo's continued, even in the number of games he's played this season, to make mistakes. Now, Mm -hmm. I don't don't want to slaughter any City player or, or have a go at any player, but you've just got to call it as it is. I mean... When he first came in uh, to replace Joe Hart, he had a, a big weight on his shoulders, which was no fault of his own. He had the high expectation of Pep, uh, the way that he'd been described when he came in, that he was this perfect footballing goalkeeper. His record with Chile and what he'd achieved with Barcelona was phenomenal. So there was a big weight of expectation. And, and obviously, at that time, there was a lot of resentment from big sections of the City fans who didn't want their Joe yeah. to be moved aside. And he had to deal with all that. And so then he made a couple of mistakes early on and that didn't help him. And I think he felt the pressure even more then. Sadly, and I wanted him to do so well when he came in towards mm-hmm. the end of the season, he's made another couple of boo-boos. You know, he's, he's come charging out of goal yeah. in two different games. You'd have thought he'd have learned from the first one. Um, I, I still think that he is a great goalkeeper and when he goes, whether it's this summer or in the future, people in this city, in, in this country, will not have seen anything like no. the best of, of Claudio Bravo. And I feel so sorry for him in that sense. Um, again, there'll be cynics saying, feel sorry for a multimillionaire. Yeah. You know, but, but he's a human being. We're all human beings. And for him to go away, having, having not fulfilled what he thought he would do when he came, I feel sorry for him. But the fact is that Edison has immediately shown a different level of quality. You don't give a, a goalkeeper or any player a seven-year contract without you know, good reason, yeah. and, and, and he's got that. So, I mean, I, I don't know what wages he's on, but if, if, Ed, if Bravo is on such high wages that he can't be moved on, he might start to get frustrated if Edison mm-hmm. clearly keeps the shirt. Um, but my suspicion will be that if some sort of deal can happen, it, it'll be time for Bravo to move on. But... I've said this before with you and, and in different situations that um, you know City seem to do things the right way at yeah. the moment. They handled Yaya's departure perfectly. They handled Zabaleta's departure perfectly. The way that they've have dealt with the whole David Silva situation this season mm. has been impeccable, absolutely perfect. Um, and his response to that has been as well. The way that they, they've dealt with Aguero, who, who is such a big star at City... Um, you know, and, and and the fact that those two, it seems, are going to go to the end of the contracts and go back to their first homes again. If that happens, and if, if the club continue to do that that way, 
Well, brilliant. And they've done that with Bravo. You can say they've done that with Bravo. And you can, to take it back to where you started, you can say that they did that with Foden and Diaz. Two young lads who, particularly the season before the one that's just finished, were stars in the EDS and Mm -hmm. stars in the youth team. Both players that that I desperately want to see come through. Um, But they've given them that flavour. It must be a frustrating season for both of them too because... They've not had a lot of game time. These days you don't play in the reserves no. when the first team's not playing. So they just trained, really. And they must be chomping at the bit. But yet, again, they've showed great fortitude and great, and, and great patience. And I hope it's rewarded for them. Um, but I know you're going to ask me about um, Pablo Mafio and, and yeah, like other players that might depart. And, and Mafio was in that situation. And you wonder whether at some point... Foden, and, and you could say the same, I suppose, about Patrick Roberts, and there, there are mm. other examples, Jason Denea, who's gone out on loan. There, there are numerous examples, uh, and now Mafio's moved on permanently. Is the same thing going to happen? Does it have to happen with Foden and Diaz? Do they go somewhere else, or will there be room for them to still develop? Because not having regular football, um, even though, as I said, they train, is, you know, I wonder if that's... Can hinder Doesn't you help them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's an interesting one. It's also interesting coming up. It's almost going to be in a sentimental sense, like sort of a year anniversary since Foden made that appearance against United on that pre-season tour, and it'd be interesting to see just from his point of view how much his career has developed in that last year. Obviously, he had the Under Seventeens World Cup that he started at. And it depends how hungry he's going to be. I guess for both the youngsters with the World Cup coming up. Many City stars will be going quite far in that tournament, so you'd expect them to get some game time early in pre-season. I think uh, City's tour starts roughly the same date as the World Cup final, so it, it should be interesting to see just how much of a role they get. Interesting, as we were going to say about Pablo Mafio, and also you think about young other youngsters, Angus Gunn. If, if, if Bravo's going to go, you wonder if he, he's not maybe the same mould as an Edison or a Bravo. What does the future hold for him? Obviously, Joe Hart is out of the World Cup squad as well for England. So it's interesting to see the goalkeeper situation. While we're still on it, Edison's new bumper contract, do you think that's a risk or do you think it's sensible from City to tie him down for such a long time? It's an impossible one to answer that because it is a risk because he will be on, on good money, he'll probably be on a rising contract. And it's easy at the moment to say, oh, great, fantastic, give him whatever he wants. But what happens if in four years from now suddenly... He's making mistakes and his form's gone and he's demotivated. Then you've got the problem of, of how do you move them on? Um, you know, the, 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 I mean, I don't, I don't like to talk about United in a, in a, in a City podcast, yeah. but it, if the rumours are right that Pogba now suddenly becomes surplus to requirements, he's very difficult to move on. Yeah. So that's the only reason I bring that in. I'm not, I don't anticipate that, that he's going to be a problem to move on. But I'll give you a good example, actually. Vincent Company was given a very long contract mm. and he's now got one year to go. And we know that in the last two years, he's suffered massively from injury issues. Now, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Vincent Company. You're never going to get me to say <laughs> a, a bad word about him. But if you're looking at it from a purely mercenary business point of view, there m- must have been times within that two years where the club would, would have looked at Vincent's record with injuries and thought, why have we got him on this long-term contract um, and we're, we're still going to be paying him whatever he's being paid and he might never be fit again. Now, thank goodness, in the second half of this season, he's resumed. So there's your, there's your juxtaposition because 
if he'd have been on a shorter contract, they might have got rid of him. I'm so glad they didn't. <laughs> so that's the advantage of the long-term contract. But the disadvantage is that if, if Vincent's injuries had continued to persist... Yeah. Um, and if it wasn't his character to fight back every single time, if it was another player yeah. with a different ilk and a different background who wasn't so hungry to succeed and have another Premier League title, it's that fine margin, that fine balance. And, and there's the deep motivation of a longer contract, arguably, as well. That if you know you're secure... Uh, it depends on the character of the yeah. person. I mean, you know, when I was employed as a, as a permanent employee by the BBC, it didn't make me any less motivated mm. when I came to work every day because I, I'm a driven person. Now that I'm I'm doing it independently and I'm freelance and everything's like short-term contracts <laughs> or whatever, I wouldn't say I'm any more or less motivated than I was before. But there are other types of people who might be. Yeah. Um, let's hope that Edison is one of those who isn't affected and if City could tie down Pep Guardiola to a seven-year contract, I think I'd be leaping off the top of the MEM building because that's, that's what everybody wants, surely. And he is definitely not that type of person who becomes... I cannot no. imagine him being demotivated in any set of circumstances. So that's, that's what they need to do, Touch give him a seven-year contract. Dream. We can all dream of that. Um, while we're on it, Pep Guardiola was delighted yesterday at his title parade fantastic moment for everyone for the players and the staff and the supporters to come together as one and to just have a bit of a feel-good factor it was a beautiful day as well in Manchester at sunshine and the players were able to sort of relax a bit and show different sides to them um, when they're playing and they're so intense they're so professional so hard working it's sometimes remember that they're actual people you yeah, see them as footballers but yeah. you got to see that personal side it's fantastic to see do you have any personal highlights from yesterday's title parade? Uh, well, I, I, I walked the route. I walked right down to where the start of the route was and had a look around that area. And uh, Wingman, who's a well-known DJ, you know, works for uh, the, the Global Group, which I do some stuff for, for Excess Manchester. I saw him and he was there about to play the records at the beginning of the floor and you could feel his passion and his enthusiasm. I love Wingman. Um, and then once... Um, I'd, I'd met him, I went up on top deck of one of the buses and had a look out. There was nobody there at that time, but I thought it's great to be have here. A nosy, yeah. yeah, just have a bit of a nosy. I walked down the route, I saw people down in Shambles Square, uh, they were all singing, and as you said, the weather was perfect. Walked along the whole of Dean's Gate, got back to the square where it was all going to happen. As it happened, I was on the, the radio with Mike Joyce, the former uh, the Smith yeah. drummer, and, and Paul Lake. I met Colin Bell, and I mean, I, I know Colin pretty well anyway from writing his book, and, and all these heroes, and, and the sunshine. I, I, there isn't one thing that stands no, out, just... but, but it, it was just a, a wonderfully relaxed celebration. It wasn't, um, you know, that we've seen celebrations before that have been very quick after the yeah, event. Yeah, very hastily put together. Was this one a bit more methodical? Yeah, it was a bit more yeah. well thought out and maybe a bit more sensible. And Yeah, the only thing I... I mean, the only criticism, if that's the right word, but I'm sure there'll be lots of people who disagree with me yeah. over there, is that perhaps it was just drawn out a little bit. Mm. Uh, Mike Wedderburn, who was on the stage, um, interviewed practically job, every single player. Well, I, yeah, I, I'd have preferred that to be a little bit more concise. Yeah, it was a bit honest. awkward when you had different groups coming on and yeah. you know, some players who were a bit more peripherally coming on and yeah. coming in duos that didn't always work, it wasn't always the same chemistry, but it, it was pleasant enough, wasn't it? In that oh, no, I, I've not really got any uh, any major criticisms. I mean, that's just me being picky. <laughs> 
Um, and, I, and obviously, I had my mind on other things anyway yeah. because I'm filming and I'm on the radio and <laughs> multitasking and enjoying it as a fan. So, and then I had to shoot off to the former players' dinner as well. So the whole day was just was just lovely. And um, they said that the sun shines, shines on the righteous. Yeah. Well, it did for the parade. And uh, you know, thank you for bringing us that lovely day. And imagine what that would have been like in the rain. But the scenes down Deansgate, the shots of, of people. Iconic, um, weren't they? Really? Yeah, yeah brilliant, brilliant. Benjamin Mendu with his blue flares. And he had a Edison topless and stuff. There's lots of funnier moments. But there was also some very heartfelt moments. We had that lovely message from David Silver, the video yeah, message. Yeah, brilliant, that. With Mafia. And yeah. That was a really touching moment. And again, just... It was a reminder of what really matters and puts everything into perspective of again. It does, yeah. And like you said earlier, it's about the characters in the city side and how well handled everything it is and how touching it is. And it was a beautiful moment to reflect on that. And again, as we touched earlier, to see these city players as human beings, not just these superstar heroes that sometimes, as a supporter, you see them as untouchables. They're just people you see on posters on TV. But for them to be there in Manchester and have that human touch must have been beautiful. And what, what were the supporters like yesterday? They're all in good spirit from what I saw. And Giddy is the word <laughs> I'd use. Um, uh, it, 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 there's no other word for it, really. They were giddy, they were joyous, they were... I mean, despite the fact that City now are building a track record of winning titles mm. and cups, um, there was also um, a humbleness about from a lot of the fans, I thought, who kept referring back when I was speaking to them, either on, on camera or not, about not forgetting where they've come from yeah. and, and, and really appreciating this. Um, and, and that's nice. I mean, the club is changing. Obviously, the former players uh, have always been quite close to the fans and have appeared at supporters club branches and all this sort of stuff. Yesterday was the nearest that um, you, that the, the modern day players could get to the fans. Mm. It's changed. I don't, I don't think that's a, a pushing the fans away thing. I think it's just a natural, almost necessary, even though it slightly breaks my heart yeah. that it's happening, that the, the club have become that big and are growing that quickly that you have to to a certain extent, yeah. keep the fans a little bit more at arm's length. But there was enough of the personal touch and enough of that that uh, more intimate interaction happening yesterday and that's happened a little bit in recent yeah. weeks. It, it, even at Southampton, for example, um, they, when Southampton had done their march around the stadium, um, I, I stayed in my seat and I was busy to editing away. And I saw Vincent Company and the players come back out of the tunnel. So this is as the stadium's clearing. And there were probably about uh, 800 City fans still in the away end, sort of waiting and hoping that the City players would come out. And that's quite unusual. And I saw Vincent Company negotiating with the security people, saying, we want to go to our fans. We want to, to acknowledge them. We want to celebrate with them which I thought was lovely, that he wanted to do that and that those that you could see that that was a natural thing that, that hadn't been staged, that it wasn't some official somewhere or some PR guru going, this will look good yeah. on TV or something if they go out. <laughs> it was properly organic. Um, it doesn't surprise me, especially from Vincent as the captain, yeah. but it was lovely to see that they were determined because it was a very patient and yet forceful negotiation with Vincent, which I was observing, that eventually saw him get go past with the players, go back to those 800 City fans and, and properly celebrate with them. So that, coupled with the parade, you know, shows me that there's still 
a lot of heart in the club and as a, as a long-standing fan who's been very, very lucky in the roles that I've fulfilled to have mingled with some of these people. But I'm, I'm, I'm lucky. I do things that other people wish they could do. Um, but to, to see at least some of the, those other people uh, get that chance, even if it's just tapping a hand as they walk past or being on the third of the three buses, which was a, a citizens' yeah. competition, those, those are lovely touches that... Um, you know, that, that make, dare I say, my club a little bit different to others. Yeah, it's good for you to have that pride. It's not a bad time to be a City fan, is it? After all those years of hurt as well, you've got to enjoy it while you can. But it's one of those things, like you said, even if City weren't winning the title, they are still that person and they still care about the supporters and you don't get the sense that they're just doing it, like you said, for PR because most of the good touches and the feel-good stories you get from this club are ones you just hear whispers of. They're not things that they've publicised themselves and have gone out of the way to do. It's just what you interpret them as yourself. And if you see them, you see them. If not, they're still doing them for the sake of them. And it's fantastic to see. Um, we're on to farewells, looking back on the season. Yaya Toro, we mentioned him plenty of times over previous weeks. We had his farewell against Brighton. We also had him yesterday on stage, like you said, um, as all the players came up in their jurors, he came up with Benjamin Mendy. And he had a very... Sort of emotional final message for the City fans, thanking them for everything they've done. There was lots of the, both of the Tory chants. We had the Tory brother chant and I know your personal favourite, we should pay you some more. Um, his legacy has been fantastic at City. It's been so, as you said, well fitting the, the sort of finale he's had at the club. Um, looking into the summer and replacing him is going to be a difficult task. And it's going to be difficult to replace not just the player, but the man and everything he stands for at the club. Yeah, I mean, again, we've probably said this before, but... It, Unfortunately, there are people out there who perceive him in uh, the wrong way, mm. in my opinion, because uh, we're all entitled to have our own views. But um, and and uh, the birthday gate and all the rest of it, we've gone been over it loads of times before. It it, it it gives a false impression of the man. You've only got to see how he's. You, you know, if you judge a person on what you see rather than what you hear, then you've got to judge Yaya Torre as a great man, mm. and. Um, yeah, it's, it's very, very sad to see him uh, to leave and he is going to be very tough to replace. But the truth is that City sort of replaced him 12 months ago or 18 months ago because he's not been the same player that he was as, as absolute peak. I mean, that 2014 season will, will go down as the Yaya Torre season. Um, perhaps we remember Aguero for, for 2012. We remember Yaya Torre for 2014. For 2018, it, it's going to be... I'm guessing Kevin De Bruyne, yeah. but, re- but probably really Pep, yeah, um, you know, the, the manager. And I know that Mancini and Pellegrini both um, did fantastic things for City. Pellegrini, I, I think, was, was not massively different than the way Pep thinks. And mm. I think that was part of the plan when they brought him in, because they knew he was that, that type of foundations coach. Foundations and plans. Yeah, that, that's a great way of putting it, building foundations for Pep. Um, so I, I, I'll, he'll always be high in my estimations and the fact that Mancini was the man who, who obviously brought the long deadlock um, not quite in the same style of football that we have now but nevertheless in, a, in an exciting style and with some of these players who are still there being brought in by him but, um, but, but Pep, I think Pep is the one that um, I'll always associate with this title because I don't think they're ever going to break these records um, I mean, I'm a bit of a Formula One fan as well, and I always thought when Michael Schumacher yeah. got to seven world titles, it. it'd be never beaten. But this year, either Hamilton or or, or, or um, Vettel will get to five, yeah. so they're only going to be two behind. So 
even those un, un, seemingly unattainable records sometimes are beaten, but surely a hundred points, surely. Unless they are the number six, seven teams in the league, it can't be happening, surely. It's... No, no, he, he, you know, unless they make it five points for a win and, you know, whatever, you get bonus. No, surely. The, the, but of course, the downside of that is that now the bar is so high that no matter what happens next season... It's never going to be as good, is it? <laughs> I mean, the, the, the trouble is, the people who, uh, who've got it in for City, whether it be in the media or other fans... Will make it seem like a failure if City do. Correct, you've nailed it. Yeah. So, you know, City get 95 goals... Yeah. Uh, sorry, yeah, 95 goals or, or 90 points or whatever next season, lose four games. Yeah, only managed Ooh. to win the league by 16 points. Can you imagine <laughs> that? Yeah. You know, it, 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 it beggars belief, really, but that is the trouble with setting yeah. the bar so high. So it's, as great as it was to see Jesus score, yeah. um, you know, as the ball, it's, it wasn't in the, the beginning of me, you know, my brain right yeah. at that moment, but I thought afterwards, the journey thought, home, thought, blinding, then, now they're going to have to do this again next year. How do you beat this? That's sort of, as we come up to this roundup, do you think, Obviously, it's, it's a stupid question, but next season is that Pep's defining season at City, really? Then I mean, he's done everything this season except for win the Champions League and the FA Cup. And next season is that the one that really sets his legacy at this club? Yeah, I think uh, he's got to he's got to uh, get you know further in the F, in the uh, sorry the, in the Champions, Champions League, league. Yeah. and and you know the League Cup as good as it is, and 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 one, you know one of the first things I ever remember when I was a kid was winning the League yeah. Cup. And, and that meant a lot to me. I mean, obviously, I was around the tail end of the '68 team and and everything as well. But I was I was older by the time we won memory. the league. Yeah, enjoy it, then, don't you? and 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 I did, and I did enjoy it, and I enjoyed the Albert Square and the you know the, the parade and waving my scarf around and all the rest of it, which probably hadn't I've been too young to really do um, earlier than that for the other the other successes. So the League Cup to me is still is still something I enjoy. But if I then step back from it and, and put my journalist head on and, and, and the more mature head, I think I even think, do we really need the League Cup? Mm. Is the League Cup now, now done its, its duty? Get rid of the League Cup. Actually get rid of it. Mm. And then you can space everything out in the season a bit more meaningfully. In Germany, for example, their FA Cup starts a lot earlier mm. and, and therefore is spread far more throughout the season and gives players of this calibre more of a chance to recover from, from the mental and, and physical fatigue of what they're doing so they can maintain the high standards. And I, I, I wouldn't be, I'd be... I would be sad in a way, but I wouldn't be... wouldn't be the end of the world for me if the League Cup no. went. So on that basis, if City can win the FA Cup next year, and City, of course, haven't won it since 2011, uh, last time they were in the final was the Wigan one in 2013, um, if they can win the FA Cup, then to me that's a step up. Obviously, mm. I'm even I'm taking it for granted they're going to win the league again. <laughs> yeah, well, that's given. That's not even a question. And that, but yeah, the Champions League. I mean, you know, I don't want to go through all that Liverpool fiasco again. But no. but um, there's so many permutations in that sort of competition that even if you are the best team in it, you're not necessarily going to win it. As we've seen this year, we've got the third best team in Spain and the fourth best team in England. So it doesn't. It's one of those farce because even if Real Madrid were to win it now, um, if you look back in history and say, well, Real Madrid have won the Champions League for out of four years or whatever, they must be the greatest side in history. They, they really are. It's one of those. But if you look at a team that's won so consistently over a league campaign, that's what really sets its place in history and shows just how good they are. Well, if, if Arsene Wenger's prediction comes true and there is a 
you know, a European league, league, even though that's been talked about for many years and yeah. it's never happened. But if that did happen, then you'd have a true European mm. champions. But as it stands at the moment, and Pep said this, it's a seven-game tournament and just like the FA Cup, the, the winners of the FA Cup this year, whether it be United or Chelsea, are not going to be the best team in England. No. City are, aren't they? Exactly. And like you said, one injury can scupper your whole chances of a cup competition like that, where is it... Like I said, it's game management, it's building up into something bigger, it's giving everyone a chance to, to shine with Champions League. If you have a good group stage, you can get through it quite easily and maybe a bit of, bit of a fortuitous draw and you'll play easier teams than some of your opponents will. And it's, We'll have to wait and see. The excitement builds for the Champions League already, but it, it'll be interesting. And while we're on to the final point, Ian, it's going to be difficult and maybe we're going to get quite a broad answer for you on this one, but what has been your highlight of this season? Well, the, the, to me, the, the game that stands out for me was the, the win at Chelsea, the 1-0 mm-hmm. win at Chelsea when Kevin De Bruyne wellied in that effort with his left foot. Um, I know in, in retrospect we can look back now and say, well, Chelsea didn't even qualify for the Champions League, so they weren't really yeah. title contenders. I, yeah, I feel when you, people look at that result, though, I feel that's one of the results that derailed them so much, though, wasn't it? They yeah, were the reigning yeah, champions and they I had agree. been absolutely shown up in their own backyard, Fabian Delph at left back, putting them in their place. That's yeah. the type of thing that demoralises you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, I, I couldn't, couldn't put it there myself, really. Uh, and there have been moments like that throughout the season that I can't help thinking that City derailed teams by their performances. Mm. Uh, 7-2 against Stoke. Stoke ended up getting relegated. I'm not saying it all came from that, but that must have been <laughs> such a demoralising defeat for them. Um, and, you know, they never seem to really recover from that, having been a relatively stable Premier League club. Mm. But in terms of City season, the win at Chelsea, without doubt, uh, winning in Napoli, again, in retrospect, Napoli went out of the competition. Um, you know, they didn't progress. Uh, I think they went into the, uh, the Europa yeah. League. Uh, they didn't progress in that. Um, I don't think they're the top of the second, table or anything. So not one point since uh, the Arsenal. So uh, you know, you could it, when you look at it in the cold light of day, you would go, "Oh, maybe Napoli weren't as good as we thought." But at that time, they were. Yeah. I thought they were, and I think the way that City played, particularly in that away game, was sensational. Mm. Um, equally, the derby match—you can't ignore that. At that time, if City had lost the derby match, I think the gap would have been two points. By winning the derby match, they went eight yeah. points clear. So there was a massive psychological victory that day. Apart from it being a derby, which clearly, as a Mancunian City <laughs> fan, that in itself is always going to be good. But as, a, as against your main title rivals, to go to their backyard and to increase your gap from five yeah. to eight, rather than it potentially go down to two, was huge. Um, so that's got to come into it as well. Um, but, you know... The, other than that, I, 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 it is a cop-out answer, but every single game... I mean, I've yeah. sat there throughout the season. Um, you know, e- Even when City have, have not got a goal, it might be nil-nil. They might have even gone behind in a game. And, I, and I, for the first time in my life, I've seriously sat there and thought, they'll get a goal yeah. here, they'll get back, they'll still win this. I wonder what minute the goal will come yeah. in. And I thought, if only people could hear out loud what I'm thinking, they'd be thinking, what an arrogant person he is. It wasn't arrogance, it was just what's in front yeah. of you. There's no reason not to believe it, was no, there? No, no, they were just so good. Yeah, and, um, yeah I think particularly, like I said, the, the last-minute winner against 
where the late goals against West Ham and Southampton quite close to each other and the Huddersfield game and all those games you thought ooh is this the game where City don't win and you're like of course it's not it's Man City it's Pep Guardiola it's the players doing what they do best and they make it look so easy in the end I also think there should be special mention One, another moment in hindsight has been sort of uh, glossed over was that week where they beat Arsenal twice and yeah. they beat Chelsea and in hindsight people say what's so special about that fifth and sixth you beat it? but they were two sides who were both still challenged for the top four then and City embarrassed them both three times of the week it was it's fantastic to well see. having been to Arsenal um, so many times in my life Before watching City yeah. uh, and you know, every time I seemed to go there when I was when I was younger, it was like Arsenal four, Manchester City <laughs> nil. Um, if you look at the statistics, it probably didn't happen that often, but it felt like that was what happened. And whether it was, I, I never saw City win at Highbury. The last game I missed, the last Arsenal away was game I missed, was the three-two win <laughs> in 1975 when Acer Hartford scored and Rodney Marsh scored. That was the last one I missed, and I've been to every one since. And it took a long time to get a win at Arsenal, even though it wasn't at Highbury. Yeah. And to go there on that Thursday night after, I think it was a Thursday. after the cold Thursday night, snowy, it was yeah, horrible. ground was half full. Everyone was saying, oh, City will be knackered from there. All these games have had fixed congestion. And yeah, yeah. And, you know. <laughs> and, and, and the fact that, you know, people were even saying, you should, should you be travelling to London? That, that was the setting behind that game. And, and, you know, it's usually when you play the same team twice in a row, to repeat what you did in the first game is very, very difficult, whoever it is. Mm. Um, but they did the same. They blew Arsenal away in the cup final, they blew them away in the league. And to, to see City go there and win, you know, by a clear margin at Arsenal, wow, that, that was good too. You've heard it, Pep. Not much to live up to next season then. If you want to keep cheesy after you've only got to win the league by 20-odd points and a couple more records. 101 points. You know what? I'd, honestly, though, Rich, I'd, I'd settle next season for winning the league by three points. Yeah. Um, but, but if they could top that by getting to a Champions League final, or better still winning it, yeah. in Madrid, you know, just imagine this time next year, 1st of June, I think it is. Yeah. So it's a couple of weeks from now. But Madrid, in the sun... Oh. You know, I mean, I don't drink, but you know, the, the fans will be having a San Miguel and all that. You know, and you think, and then win the champ. Wow, wow. Think about that title parade. Wow, we don't that will keep you excited good, for it? that one, will we? Yeah, I, mean, no, I think I'm the looking... fans will be more than just giddy for that title parade, won't they? Oh, yeah. That's how you top this. This was good. That's how you top it. Pep, you've had your words of warning from Cheesy. <laughs> if you want to keep him happy next season, all you've got to do is win the league. Three points will do. Give him the Champions League, please. Uh, thank you for joining us on Talking City. Ian, thank you once again. We'll no be back next week to look ahead to the new season. God, that's a horrible thought, isn't it? Let's enjoy this while we can. Thank you very much. Remember to subscribe to us on Acast and iTunes and stick with us the Manchester Evening News for all the latest news from Manchester City. <laughs>